Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm host Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 354. Today's show is brought to you by Heaven's Made. Our show today is part of our Fitness Friday series, and it's another great one in our Fitness Friday programs. We'll be hearing from returning guest, nationally known nutritionist, Mike Glasgow. Mike spent over five years working for an area agency on aging in Wisconsin, helping to oversee the Older Americans Act and Senior Congregate Dining and Meals on Wheels programs. And he'll join us in just a minute. We are talking fitness, health, and nutrition today, and specifically about a protein-rich diet, which is important to health. According to the National Institutes of Health, up to one-third of older adults don't eat an adequate amount of protein due to reduced appetite, dental issues, impaired taste, swallowing problems, and limited financial resources. Combined with a tendency to become more sedentary, this puts them at risk of deteriorating muscles, compromised mobility, slower recovery from bouts of illness, and the loss of independence. The research, which, as always, we'll link to, goes on to say that older adults need to eat more protein-rich foods when they're trying to lose weight, dealing with a chronic or acute illness, or facing a hospitalization, according to a growing consensus among scientists. During these stressful periods, aging bodies process protein less efficiently and need more of it to maintain muscle, mass, and strength, bone health, and other essential physiological functions. Even healthy seniors need more protein than when they were younger to help preserve muscle mass. Registered dietitian, nutritionist, certified dietitian, nutrition and transportation services expert Mike Glasgow is here today to put it all into perspective, and that includes recommended intake of protein, what to think about when illness is an issue in the consumption of protein, meal replacements, supplements, and which protein is best. Please join me in welcoming back to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Mike Glasgow. Mike Glasgow, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. Nice to talk to you. And we're thinking about fitness. We're thinking about diet. We're thinking a little bit about some health. There's some new research out that I'd like to talk to you about. And one of the headlines I found was, for older adults, a protein-rich diet is important for health. Seems like the new consensus among scientists uh, it really establishes that more protein not less for older adults is important. And it it seems almost to me, at least, given kind of my my age and maybe my experience, although although you're certainly the expert, seems like that might be a little bit of a course correction or or even an about face on the subject of protein consumption. Am I getting that right? I think that being a registered dietitian, working in the senior population, gerontological nutritionist, whatever label you want to apply, um, it's not new to me. Mm -hmm. I think that we are becoming more aware of it. I think it's reaching the general consensus or, or the um, more, I don't want to say mainstream, but having worked in nursing homes for, I started out as my career in nursing homes 17, 18 years ago. So going on almost 20 years, we knew it then, but I think it's, it's gaining, it's, it's now reaching the general consciousness saying that, yes, this is an important topic. Let's talk more about it. Let's talk about the muscle wasting and the protein needs of seniors because as we age our nutrition needs change we do we are identifying now that we do need more protein as we age 
our synthesis of our protein foods isn't quite as efficient as it was when we were younger. Um, we are losing naturally losing muscle mass, and so we have to, you know, use you use the word course correct. I think we have to physically course correct our own aging to a point that we can, and make sure that we are um, are getting our protein needs and making sure that we are maintaining our muscle mass. So it's not necessarily new to us, I don't think, in the nutrition world, mm-hmm. but we're, it's becoming more mainstream, more well-known, and certainly more discussed, which is very good. It's important to discuss this topic. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I think protein is vital, and I think older adults would, would agree, although maybe older adults would say they don't eat adequate amounts of protein for specific reasons. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about what your sense is as to why older, older adults aren't eating protein-rich food? Sure. And some of the recommendations I make, as uh, we spoke in the last podcast, is going to be more for the general population. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to touch on the experience that I have. Working in a nursing home, we see people that come from the hospital and are, are at the nursing home for rehabilitation services because of the surgery, because of the fall, broken hip, broken ankle, broken leg, and so forth. So they're not all necessarily long-term clients, but we see that we have seen over the years and we're learning more about nutrition and the protein needs of the population are a topic that, as I said, are, are, is coming into the forefront, which is very good to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. There, the, the needs are being reevaluated as we're looking at the the dietary guidelines, looking at the RDAs and diet, you know, daily intakes and daily recommendations. But it's, it's very, we have, there are a lot of factors that affect seniors' intake. There are physical limitations. Maybe they have chronic pain and they can't stand long enough to make a, what we would consider a healthy meal. Transportation issues, so they cannot access healthy foods. Or like I said, they have difficulty preparing healthy foods. As we age, our, our tastes change. Our taste buds physically change, and we don't necessarily like all the foods that we liked before. So our idea of a good meal changes from what we were used to. Um, many seniors, as we all well know, are on many medications. A lot of these medications have very strong implications for taste and our hunger and hunger cues. And so it could be the medications could be also poor dentition. If we're losing teeth, um, our dentures are not fitting right because we could have malnutrition, we could have undernutrition, which then leads to wasting of muscle, facial muscle, muscles as well. And so our dentures may not be fitting as well, maybe causing pain in our mouths. Um, the increase of loneliness, isolation, depression, anxiety in the senior population is something that we're identifying now, which is critical to our nation's health. And so that also has very significant nutrition implications if you were depressed, anxious, if you're lonely, you're not moving around. You're not socializing. You're not having those opportunities for meals. You're not, honestly, pardon me, you're, you're just not caring as much. So if we're sitting in a depressed state, if we're in an anxious state, if we're lonely, socially isolated, the, the motivation decreases. And if you're not well-nourished, protein, energy, your, your correct balance of electrolytes and you know, vitamins, minerals, and so forth, all of those things will lead to, quite frankly, and this is a little bit crudely stated, but improper thinking, and it can lead to depression, can lead to poor judgment, and you just don't have the motivation to eat well. And that's why it's, it's so significantly important to have, under the Older Americans Act, I'm, I work in the Meals on Wheels and Senior Dining, we have the Meals on Wheels program to help provide that ready-to-eat, fresh, balanced 
nutritious meal for these individuals who may not be able to get these foods. But then also we're, we're having more stronger, important conversations about senior dining, which is the congregate dining where the seniors come together to eat for the socialization. They still get that balanced and nutritious, ready-to-eat meal. But then they're also socially, they have social opportunities so that we can, we're, we're social beings. We're, we need to be around other human beings. And so it's, it's a full wellness. And as we're talking about protein, protein is just one piece of a much bigger puzzle. So there, there, there are many things that affect the intake, specifically around protein and energy and, and what seniors eat. I want to get to those, too. I also want to bring up a couple of terms that the research study uh, references, and we'll put links up to some of this science so that, so that people can find this readily. But there are two terms, functioning and functionality. So you refer to loss of minerals, loss of vitamins, some of the internal consequences of lack of protein, but functioning and functionality almost brings to mind some physical uh, weakness, perhaps. So w- what does the conclusion uh, of a lack of functioning and functionality mean? Absolutely. And, and the word studies are showing more and more significant evidence that protein intake and likewise energy, so calories, getting adequate protein, getting adequate calories can lead to higher functioning, physical functioning, and specifically a decrease in falls. So we know that in the senior population, falls are a significant issue and they are one of the leaders of senior death. So with a fall leading quite frequently to a significant fracture, either a hip or leg fracture, those do definitely lead to, obviously, lack of functioning, obviously illness, hospitalization, but they also lead to death. But they are showing now, studies are showing more that your adequate protein intake is leading to fewer falls, better, as you said, physical functioning. But it's not just protein alone. I I think that we would be remiss to speak only about protein while neglecting to talk about strength training Mm -hmm. and physical activity actually working those muscles and keeping those muscles strong. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be, we're not going to have the muscle mass that we used to when we were younger, but seniors, it's still critically important. They can still utilize the protein and the amino acids and the protein in their foods to continue to build that muscle or at least maintain muscle. So while cardiovascular activity is important for heart health, for brain health, we also have to focus on our muscles. We have to do strength training and ensure that our muscles are still being used. And so the protein is being used for what it is supposed to be used for and keep people strong, keep people functioning, active. And the, the old adage of use it or lose it is, applies here better than it ever has anything else. This is really the bigger picture, quote unquote, that you referred to earlier, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, protein is important. And again, you know, it's, we're, we're talking about that's a major topic of this discussion. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, it's one piece of a major puzzle. It's a big puzzle, and we, we can't lose sight of, of any particular part of it. Hi, it's Paul. We'll be right back with Mike Glasgow talking about health, nutrition, and protein for older adults. You know, I've spoken about my parents in a number of podcasts, and many of you in our smart, attentive, sharp audience have reached out to me following those shows, expressing your own family memories. My mom, of course, nearly 90, is still going strong, but my father, Roger, passed away in October of 2017. My mom still lives in our family home, and my dad is buried close by in a lovely cemetery. The cemetery is well-maintained, and it gets perpetual care, gardening, and landscaping. 
But visiting my dad's gravesite is hard for my mom, although she's very mobile. It's just hard to traipse through the graves, the lawn, and the regular funerals always ongoing. Of course, I live on the opposite coast in Virginia, so it's really hard for me to get into my dad's California grave. Both my mom and I, plus my two sisters, who also live out of state and away from where my mom lives, believe my father's resting place should be treated with great care and respect. If you, dear Not Old Better Show audience, have a loved one interred in a cemetery that doesn't insist on individual gravesite maintenance, even neglectful custodial care, our sponsor today, Heaven's Made, will provide your loved one's memorial with exceptional care. Unable to travel to the cemetery, live in a different state like me, have mobility concerns like my mom, are you short on time? Heaven's Made helps you locate your loved one, schedule a cleaning and a floral delivery, and provides a confirmation photo once services are completed straight to your email. Heaven's Made takes care of it all. Cleaning the stone with an environmentally safe cleaner that gently restores without damage, edging and cleaning the overgrowth of grass and weeds, and delivery of silk or fresh flowers for any occasion. Sometimes, despite best efforts, you just can't make it out to clean the memorial stone or deliver flowers for your loved one. Don't sweat this. Stop worrying and choose Heaven's Made to provide their memorial with exceptional care. Show you care no matter how far away you may be. Heaven's Made is a service dedicated to helping you care and tend to your loved one's final resting place. Check out Heaven's Made at heavensmade.com. We'll have links in the notes. And now back to Mike Glasgow and our Fitness Friday topic today, health, nutrition, and protein for older adults. We're with Mike Glasgow. Mike Glasgow is a registered dietitian, and we're talking about protein for older adults. Mike Glasgow, uh, let's drill down into this. Uh, you know, many of my, my audience are over age 60. What are the daily recommended requirements for protein for someone over age 60? And what are the foods that you recommend that, that offer protein in this proper RDA amount? Sure. And then... This is sound like a cop out, but there really is no easy answer to that. <laughs> it depends on, it really depends on individual size, stature, weight, and so forth. So we can get real technical and say, generally we want 0.8 to 1 gram per kilogram body weight and so forth, but that, that doesn't make any sense. That's not useful. But when you're reading these studies, that's what they continue to talk about. So taking that and making it practical, if you were to, if I were to develop a meal plan for the average, quote unquote, average senior, I would say for lunch and dinner, three to four ounces of meat. If they're, if they're a meat eater, that's where you're going to get the best protein. And if we're looking at an ideal protein source, as close to perfect protein as you can get as an egg, but then after that is going to be your meat protein, your red meats, your poultry. Um, dairy, in about a cup of milk, you will get about eight grams of protein. So dairy is Decent as far as milk, you know, liquid dairy, pro, you know, protein out of milk. It's okay. It's, it's all right. But we would prefer that if you do need more protein, if you're a meat eater, eat a little bit more meat. But again, it's three to four ounces, and that's a pretty standard serving of, say, a chicken breast or a piece of steak or so forth or roast beef. It's about the size of a deck of cards. And there's, there's no reason that we have to 
believe that we should follow what the American standard is for a 10 or 12 or 14 ounce steak. We don't need that much. We need to meet our daily protein needs, but we don't have to overdo it. We don't need to eat these giant amounts of, of meat. And I also want to impress upon your audience that we don't want to replace necessarily replace other food groups with more meat because they think, oh, I've got to get more protein. We should still continue to follow the my plate example, <clears throat> excuse me, of making your plate half fruits and vegetables and whole grains and then the meat. But if there's an idea that seniors are eating less meat or less protein food items, then you know we want to make sure that um, we impress upon them the importance of meeting that requirement. But it doesn't mean we have to add a whole bunch more. If you're missing it in one of your meals, add it. For example, you know the the article in the post was talking about how a lot of seniors don't eat high protein for breakfast, and I believe that's true. And there's there's no reason that we should not recommend a couple of eggs, maybe some turkey sausage, and also there's no reason we have to follow traditional breakfast foods. Frankly, I don't eat much breakfast food. I will eat sandwiches and soups and leftovers and that's what I eat for breakfast and I ensure that I get protein that way so there's no reason why you can't have a bowl of cereal and when you're done with that have a couple of slices of deli turkey to make sure that you're meeting that protein if you don't feel like or if you don't like eggs or whatever that other what might be a traditional breakfast food item is so if that's the it's just it's really and we talked about this last time it's paying attention Mm -hmm. it's what are you doing today what are you doing tomorrow what was your what was your intake like yesterday and making sure that we're filling in those holes if there are any holes. So it's, you know, three, four ounces of serving is, like I said, about the size of a deck of cards. So it's about a, you know, a quarter of a pound. Mm. We don't have to overdo it, but, you know, the needs are a little bit higher for seniors. But again, we don't have to, we don't have to go overboard on it. Some of the meal replacement drinks are getting an awful lot of attention. And some of them, they have a significant additive amount of protein. Are, are those worth considering too? We, Richter Dietitians, always take the stance that get your nutrients from your food first. Mm-hmm. If you're eating an adequate diet, if you don't have any medical issues, if you don't have any dentition issues, chewing or swallowing issues, if you're eating well, there's really no reason that you need the liquid, you know, the Boost Plus and the Ensures and those kinds of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But where they do come in handy is if you are nutrient deficient or if you're not meeting your needs or you don't have that hunger, you don't, you're not able to eat those, you know, what we might consider a regular size meal. It's more, it is a supplement and it should be treated as a supplement. I don't think that anybody should necessarily, unless you're looking to safely and appropriately lose weight, I don't think that those should be used as a meal replacement. I do believe that they should be a supplement to your current diet, but again, get it from food first. They are very popular. They're easy. They're easy to take on the go, and so they certainly do have a place in nutrition. Um, we we are spending a lot of time also some of the senior groups, the Meals on Wheels Association of America, the organization I'm part of, the um, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, some other senior groups like the um, Defeat Malnutrition Today, NANAS, which is the National Association of Nutrition and Senior Programs, looking at malnutrition, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically. And that population is, is definitely special because they are finding that one out of two seniors are at risk for malnutrition and nearly a third 
of seniors who are admitted to the hospital have received or are malnourished or undernourished. And that really, if, if an individual is going into the hospital and they're undernourished or they're malnourished, that starts them behind the ball already. When individuals are in the hospital, especially when we're older, sleep disturbances, the hospital staff coming in to do tests, to administer medications, to check on injuries or change dressings and so forth. All of those things can disturb our nutrition. People don't want to be bedridden. They don't want to be in that environment. They're not eating as well, not only because of those disturbances, but also because of their potential injuries or the reason that they're in the hospital. They're just not eating as well. So if they're coming in malnourished, many times they're certainly not leaving the hospital better nourished despite a lot of the efforts of the registered dietitians and the clinical staff of the, the hospital, we certainly work hard to do that, but it does not always necessarily work. And, and so we're, we're looking at how do, we, how do we identify it in the hospital, how do we treat it, but then also how do we get this information, which is great to have this podcast now, because if any of your listeners are expecting to have surgery, expecting to have a knee replacement, a hip replacement, it's, it's, it's important to be prepared for that and I don't want to say bulk up, but make sure that you're getting that nutrition ahead of time so that you are prepared for that hospital. And if people are sitting in the hospital, sitting in the rehab center, if they're not doing well, they will continue to lose muscle mass at, at, a, at a staggering rate. So we're, if we're not well-nourished up front, we're certainly not going to be healing as well. We're not going to be getting out of the hospital as quickly. So if, if they're malnourished, you know, studies are showing that they're, staying in the hospital longer and they're just not, the outcomes are not there. So it's, it's on the front end, it's current for, you know, your younger and even older, more healthy, active seniors. Nutrition is important, but then also a lot of this is prevention and looking ahead in preparation. So if something is coming up, be prepared for it. Get your nutrients now, make sure you're healthy now. Thank you, Mike Glasgow. Thank you so much for this information. Final question for you, really, and I would just say, conversely, the research is saying the guidance, your own advice is to be careful to not overdo protein consumption. Tell us why. Uh, for me, there's a couple different reasons. One, a, as I said before, we don't want to replace other... If we're focused just on protein, we don't want to replace those other important food items with protein. So you don't want to decrease your fruits and vegetables because, well, I've got to get more protein, so I'm not going to eat these other foods. Because we don't eat as much, we don't need as much as we age. And so I don't want to see that happen. I want to make sure that everybody gets everything that they need and then add a little bit of protein to that. So get your balanced meal. It is a balance. We you know, follow the my plate. There is a my plate for seniors, which isn't too much different, but it you know, does touch on the, the increased importance of hydration and the increase of protein and so forth. Also, we, especially if somebody has kidney disease, we don't want to push additional protein because there are protein limitations or restrictions if you have kidney disease. If you're not on dialysis, the kidneys are not clearing those amino acids, those proteins, you can get ammonia buildup. And, and so it, it, it causes a lot of internal issues if your kidneys don't work well. If you're healthy, then additional protein is suggested and it's good and it's a uh, you know, and, and important and, and appropriate to do. But if you're, if you have any chronic conditions, you know, again, we don't want to overtax our bodies with an excessive amount of protein. And also we want to make sure that it's good 
healthy, quote unquote, healthy protein. We want lean meats. We don't want to, we don't want any of your listeners to say, oh, well, I need more protein. So I'm going to eat a whole bunch more of a super high salty beef jerky. It has its place. It's all a balance, but, you know, be smart about it. We want to make sure that it is healthy, you know, good, good fatty um, fish products like salmon, mackerel, tuna, and so forth, lean meats. Red meat is okay. And I do also, I want to speak specifically to the, the vegetarians and the vegans who might be listening as well, because mm-hmm, you can, mm-hmm. while, you know, you're aging and you, you can meet your protein needs as a vegan and as a vegetarian, I certainly do not, not want to overlook those groups. You know, it's just, it's going to be a little bit harder for the vegetarians and the vegans. Um, one of the best protein sources for, you know, for, well, for anybody, whether vegan or vegetarian or not, is going to be your soy. It's going to be your, your tofu and so forth. But the beans, the seeds, the nuts, um, some of your, what we call ancient grains, like your quinoa, those kinds of items um, can help you meet all of those protein needs and all of those essential amino acid needs. But again, you're going to have to eat a wide variety of those different um, vegetable source or grain source protein foods, and you're going to might have to eat a little bit more too. But it's going to take a little bit more work for the vegetarians and vegans, but it can certainly be done. And it's just as important for them as any other group. Mike Glasgow, thank you so much. Really excellent details. Uh, lots of uh, uh, lots of points to consider about uh, protein-rich diet. It's always good to talk to you, Mike Glasgow. So, so thanks for your time, and uh, we're going to have you back. Okay, that'd be my pleasure. My thanks always to Mike Glasgow, registered dietitian, nutritionist, certified dietitian, and transportation services expert for joining us today on the Fitness Friday program. Of course, my thanks to Heaven's Maid for sponsoring the show and to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please keep your emails coming to me with show ideas, suggestions, and comments at info at notold-better.com. Remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.